Welcome to another Roaring Wolf podcast. Season's about to open, pretty much. I mean, there is some still indoor rowing going on. There's a lot of people rowing outdoors. The first outdoor race of the season kicks off at the Sarasota Invite next week. I'll actually be down there, so let's uh, see what's going down. Juniors will probably be doing some 2Ks. Masters will be doing some 1Ks. Uh, the elites probably head down, start training, and get ready for April trials, so that's always fun. Uh, on the other aspect, there's still the Crash B World Indoor Rowing Championship, which is this weekend here in Boston. And then I think on the 24th of, I think we're February, we're looking at there, we then have the World Indoor Rowing Championship. So there's actually two World Indoor Rowing events coming up. Uh, so you can collect medals and hammers. Hammers probably a little bit better than having just a medal. you got to understand that. But the World Rowing Indoor Championship is in February 24th in Long Beach. A uh, great place to have indoor rowing in California. you got to love that. And you'll probably see the men's teams show up and uh, throw down some 2Ks. So it's it's good to see that uh, Tatey's sending the squad out there to uh, show what speed is. Otherwise, they, they could use a little boost in the entries there. It's it's California, so people probably don't like rowing indoors. But people get go out there because they get a little bit of a stipend as well. This week um, on the podcast right now, we are going to be bringing in uh, Princeton assistant lightweight coach Bill Manning. I've known Bill for a while. He's got some great intelligent information we thought we'd discuss and pass along. Take a look at the upcoming lightweight scene as we just did the women's scene in the Ivy League with uh, Wes. So let's talk to Bill and, and get some ideas out on the table who's going to be fast this year and talk a little bit about U23 rowing as well. Hey, Bill, it's good to have you on. Thanks for doing this. How are things in Princeton, New Jersey? <laughs> all good, Sean, all good. The lake's almost ice-free, and uh, you know when you say that on February 13th, the things are good. I, I can hear you. Boston's almost clear as well. I think people are going to start getting out there probably Friday, Saturday. Northeastern was out there this past weekend in 30-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah. So let's get into this a little bit. Now, you're, you've are you coached heavy men, and now you're coaching currently lightweight men up in uh, Princeton. Uh, let, let's talk international a little bit. I know you're hosting the U23 camp up there. How's that going? What's what's the process for U23 this year? Well, you're right. The, um, so U.S. Rowing put the camp out to bid for both the men and the women, and um, I was fortunate to, um, to have my bid accepted, and, and we're going to be conducting the camp. Um, Sort of here, well, here on Lake Carnegie, there'll probably be some input from the folks at PNRA and Mercer. Uh, but we're going to be taking advantage of the facilities that Princeton University has and the Princeton Training Center has. Um, we're, you know, we're tasked with putting together the fastest, most successful lightweight men's quad that we can. That's, that's job number one. We're also looking to enter boats into the lightweight men's double, lightweight men's pair, potentially lightweight men's single as well. So, um, you know, we would ideally like to have, you know, have all those events covered uh, by virtue of bringing the best possible people into camp and, and putting the best possible combinations together and preparing them as well as possible. I mean, uh, and then Malcolm, yeah, Malcolm's going to run the women's camp up in Boston. He did a great job of that last year. So, um, you know, hopefully we can have as much success with the men as, as Skip and his crew had last year. I mean, there's a lot of depth on the U23 side. Any chance of any of those guys trying to go for the senior team as well? Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, the nice thing is you could do both. Um, I think a lot depends a bit on the calendar and, uh, you know, what your 
what your work or school obligations might be. Um, but it's certainly not inconceivable. Um, you know, the trick is whether or not we, we can develop, uh, identify, attract, develop sculling to the standard that it needs to be to enjoy success. Um, you know, the sweep rowing at the collegiate level right now, there's some outstanding sweep guys and it's a very high level, but, um, you know, for the younger guys to make an impact on the big scene with sculling takes just, it takes a little bit more work on everybody's part. I hear you. Now, uh, just looking at international rowing for lightweights, uh, what are your thoughts on where we're at and what's going to happen with lightweight rowing in the future? Well, it's, uh, you know, my thoughts are, are, are based on sort of my reading of the reality of it. And that is that I think, you know, lightweight rowing is, is going to be removed from the Olympics. We're going to go back to where we were before 96. Um, and, you know, it's, it's regrettable, uh, but, you know, the, the pressures that are on FIFA uh, from the IOC uh, are, are extraordinary. Uh, and, and so um, this is not simply FISA's decision. This is very much driven by the IOC. Um, now, having said that, I think that I hope um, that what we will see is the, the growth of lightweight rowing at the World Championships. I hope we'll get back to where we see multiple lightweight eights racing, where we'll see more women's lightweight events racing at the World Championships and a lot of athletes racing at the, at the World. FISA has complete control over that. And, um, you know, if we can get more countries to, uh, you know, allow club-level athletes to enter uh, and represent their country, I think we could see some really fierce racing again, as we did throughout the 80s and the early 90s. Yeah, it would be good to have all those back. Well, let, let's get back into the fierceness of the racing of the, the light eight here. Uh, let's talk collegiate programs. What are your thoughts on the top programs for lightweight men's rowing this year, and also maybe a little bit on the lightweight women's side? Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll offer my opinion on the lightweight women's side first because I, I really don't have one. I'm not, I'm not conversant enough um, – to have any strong opinions on the lightweight women's side other than, you know, what I see daily here are some, some really good athletes going at it. And, uh, I'd be surprised if the, the women that I see daily don't don't race hard and, and race well in spring. I'd be very surprised. But, um, but you know, Kate Burko is a great coach, and she's got good resources, and Malcolm's a great coach, and, um, you know, Georgetown's great. So I don't know what will happen on the lightweight women's side. Um, you know, the lightweight men's side, it's lightweight rowing. It's it's going to come down to inches. Uh, to use the old push today, it's uh, uh, you know there's just there's there's nobody that I would want to put my hand on the Holy Bible on and count out right now. It's just you just don't know. And uh, you know you talked about or mentioned the transition from coaching heavies to coaching lights. I think that's probably the for me the what's been one of the biggest transitions is just how height the racing is in the lightweight collegiate events and uh, uh, you know we just you just don't get margins uh, I just don't feel comfortable watching the crews in the second and third and fourth 500 um, like I used to be able to feel comfortable I'm, I'm nervous right up until the boats cross the line because they're so tight 
Yeah, I, I definitely see it. I mean, you still have the old favorites of uh, Columbia, Princeton, Harvard. I mean, there's definitely a lot of players. Keep going, keep going, man. I know, keep I know. Going. They're you're, they're all there. Another Charles, I think. I mean, who who are you going to rule out? You got a great coach in Pennsylvania. You got Cornell. Uh, you got a, you got Cornell. You got Navy, where you've got two people on staff who really sort of figured out how to make it work at Navy. Yeah, uh, you got an outstanding coach at Georgetown who won the four. I mean, where are you going to stop, man? And Dan Rooks back up at freaking Dartmouth and now. You got, and, and exactly, you got the, you got Oz and some out from behind the curtain again, and uh, you know it—that's it, uh, what I mean. You just you can't count anybody out before the season begins. You just can't. Yeah, one cheeseburger can ruin a whole weekend, right? <laughs> if it's a salty cheeseburger, <laughs> sure it does. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so you've been working with a lot of different boats there, you know, some of the lower boats, some of the upper boats. Let's break it down about the athlete now. How how would you work with an athlete who starts off in the lower boat, and what do you suggest for him to get to the top boat? What's going to happen besides that Bay Erg score? What what type of work environment or workload would they take on? Oh, you know, that's certainly one of the most enjoyable aspects of, of of coaching is, is helping an athlete develop and move up the ranks. And, you know, with the, the explosion of recruiting and the, the increase in junior rowing, I think it's harder and harder for guys to do that. You know, guys come in, there's some pretty talented, pretty exceptionally talented guys that come in as freshmen and they might get a seat in the top boat and, you know, hang on to it more than, than was the case in previous years. But, um, you know, for the guys that come in and, and decide that this is what they want to do, um, you know, and, and we're certainly blessed to have those guys here to work with. That, that you know, that makes it extraordinarily satisfying and, and um, affirming uh, to have that kind of an attitude. It, it boils down to a couple of things. I mean, one, what I see is um, I see some guys that really take the proverbial bull by the horn the summer after freshman year and just go home and, and do the work and they come back fall of sophomore year or maybe it's fall of junior year, but they come back fit. And, you know, they've just they've raised their status within the squad um, just by returning fit. Uh, and, you know, with that fitness, then they just get more repetitions. They get more opportunities. They, you know, they end up in the head of the Charles boat, um, you know, because, you know, the program might vote up largely on fitness. Um, they just get more cracks and, and and so with those opportunities, they get a better chance to shine. They get more attention. Um, so that's certainly one. It's just it's fundamentally changing your fitness level within the squad. Um, and then the other is the guys that can they can really develop the effectiveness of their stroke. That they can perhaps you know the novice guys have got the rudiments down, and, and in their second and third year they start to refine the motion. You know, or the guys that come in with some experience and they're able to unlearn a couple habits that they might have had uh, or they're able to unlearn a style that, that might be inhibiting them in a new environment uh, but uh, the good thing you know the good thing is guys can do it and we see guys doing it and um, you know and that's again that's that's one of the fun things for us like let's go back you mentioned style what what type of style do you feel is is good for lightweight rowing? Maybe within your program there. Before we go back to, oh, so I'm just trying to think what what type of style do you think works best for lightweight rowing? I mean, there's so much going on out there. Yeah, I I, I actually don't 
I don't have a what I would call a preferred style. It's more that I was sort of commenting on. I think I, I think at the high school level there are there are some that um, really become accustomed to a certain style of rowing, and you know then they end up in college and and the, the team is not rowing the same way and if they can't make the adapt adaptation, um, you know, then they, they can, it's hard for them to contribute at a higher level. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't really feel that I'm trying to teach any style, you know, nope. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the laws of physics into practice. Yeah. I, you gotta get them all together. <laughs> hey, is, if they're all doing and it then, wrong yeah, together, I, they could win, you know? <laughs> Exactly. You know, there, 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 there are many, many effective styles, but they're, they're very limited laws of physics. So uh, I'll stick to the laws and, let this, and, and try to iron out the style. I get it. All right. Well, let, let's back up a little bit. Let's go. Let's think about heavyweight rowing because you have a little experience with heavyweight rowing, open weight rowing, we'll say, instead of heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts towards the, the men's field this year? Just a, a quick look. I'm not sure if you you take your scope out that way much anymore, but any thoughts towards there? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I it certainly, it, it, you know, I really enjoy watching the other league. It's it, it, uh, you know, my blood pressure and heart rate don't go up so much when I contemplate what's going to happen in the heavyweight league or what's going to happen at the NCAA. It's more entertainment, um, and. Uh, you know, I think that there are, you know, the things I look at, it, it, I'd love to see is like, you know, is there anybody that might sort of punch into the top ranks? You know, I think that on the heavyweight side of men's rowing, we're, we're, we would be a healthier sport. We would be a better sport, a more uh, entertaining sport if, if we could get a, another program or two to break into the finals at the IRA or break into the medals. And, you know, other than other than the tremendous work that Steve Gladstone's done at Yale, getting them relevant again in, in a way that they haven't been for decades. You know, he's really done something there, as everybody knows. Um, it'd just be great to see that happen with a couple other programs. Um, and you know, but the trouble there, of course, is that for somebody to rise up the ladder, somebody's got to fall down the ladder. Uh, you know, I certainly can't think of who you point your finger at and say that they're, you know, they're going to take a tumble this year. Um, I think you're all the mater of, you know, the, the Huskies of Northeastern. I, I think they're just going to keep getting better and better here. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, oh, yeah, I, I had to put that in there for you, Sean. No, I know. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I appreciate that. All right. Yeah, well. But, you know, Jesus, beyond that, I mean, it, it, it's probably going to be the usual stuff there. Right. I mean, maybe Dartmouth will punch up there in the next year or two. But, but looking at that, you know, what is an IV program? Because I asked this to, to Wes the other day when I did a podcast, Wesleying of, of Penn Women. What is a what is a Ivy League program? You know, offer that a Cal or UW doesn't, or someone else out there does it, that besides the education. What what what's going to take for a Princeton or somebody? What 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 should they be looking at? What do they offer that they don't? If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it, it does make sense. It does make sense. I, I you know I think you. You know, I, I would, to me, the, it, it's a, if you pardon me, it is a, it's a fundamentally flawed question in that I do, I do think that the most important piece of the puzzle is going to be what happens away from the boathouse. So the, does the environment, whether it's the, the academic piece, 
social piece, um, does that provide for the student athlete? Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of variation there. What works for one, you know, what works best for one doesn't necessarily work best for everyone. But, um, you know, I think that is what's most important. So if, if we sort of artificially put that aside, um, it, then I would say it, it's not so much that it's more or less as it is the shading of the fit. You know, what, um, you know, what, what is important to the individual? And, uh, you know, I, that's why I think that, you know, the collegiate rowing in the United States is, is without doubt the best collegiate rowing anywhere in the world. Um, because we have these amazing, amazing places and, and they're putting, you know, the resources that go into these, even, you know, even division three programs put in a tremendous amount of, of people time and energy and financial support that, you know, and then when you, when you think about what the places that are at the upper ranks of the sport are doing, um, it's, it's mind boggling. Um, so I think it, you know, why would you choose one over another? could be different for every individual, but I, I don't see a lot of bad choices. That's the thing. I just I don't really see any bad choices. I understand. I, I from my perspective I, I figure no one ever not everyone wants to be a smart kid, you know? So we'll move well, on. Well not all of us can be a smart kid. <laughs> That's, no, true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Okay. So, I'll just cling tightly to the smart kids and hope the wears off. Yes, exactly. I, I agree with you. You gotta stick around them long enough and it'll rub off. Now Let's talk men's rowing versus. Do you, do you ever think you'll see you know the men's side go towards the NCAA format of a team championship? Uh, well, I, I, I personally would love to see men's rowing be a team championship. I think that that it would um, motivate and incentivize more programs to pay attention to more people, and uh, and that would ideally increase growth of the sport. I I think in men's rowing right now, the growth of our sport is is going to be, if we can achieve it, it's going to largely be having more people row at the schools that currently row. I, I, I just don't see um, the, the growth of the sport being from new programs being created. Um, I would love to see that happen, um, but just financially and, um, you, you know, the, the financial constraints and, and the gender equity constraints, um, I think that makes it really hard. But, uh, you know, if we were a team championship sport, um, you know, it'd be great. It'd be really great for us to go to our athletic department and say, you know, you know we need, you know, we need two eights and a four people um, to win the Ivy League championship, um, as opposed to we need nine people to win the Ivy League championship. And, um you know, people recognize that on the football field that you may only have 11 guys out there, um, but you need a hell of a lot more than 11 to win the team championship, you know, to win the championship. And so I'm, I'm definitely in favor of the, that idea of doing something along the lines of the NCAA, you know, turning the 10 Ike into the national championship or turning the Rose Cup or the Joe's Cup into the championship. All right. Um, that, 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 that's me. That's pretty good. I mean, and along the lines with that, speaking of, you know, you know, a lot of championships. We, you, you, you're from the Boston area. Well, not from it, but you, you coached here many years and lived here. Uh, you know, do you miss Boston? Do you miss all the, the championships that we get here in Boston? 
And uh, segueing right into your best Harry Parker story. Uh, <laughs> um, there, there's a lot I love about Boston, and there are a lot of people up there that are very, very important to me that I, I do wish I saw more regularly. Um, and, uh, you know, I won't say I was lonely watching the Super Bowl down here, but uh, I probably wasn't surrounded by as many people as I would have been if I still lived in Boston. Ah. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, in terms of the rowing, it, it, I mean, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm traveling up there this weekend uh, for Crash Bees, and, and, you know, that's an event that's sort of an iconic Boston rowing event like the head of Charles. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, one of the things that's really wonderful here in Princeton as a, as, as a rowing person um, is just the amount of racing that we have here, you know, being the headquarters of the national team, you know, the women are going to be coming back from Chula Vista end of this month. It's, it's great having them around. Um, it's, you know, we have a lot of programs that come and race on Lake Carnegie, even when they're not racing a Princeton University crew. So it's a ton of fun for me in the spring. I'll go out and, you know, we'll have our races and then, that afternoon, I'll go out in my launch and I'll get to watch other people race. And, uh, you know, I, I, I joke that a basketball coach can, you know, go home from work pretty much every night of the week and turn on a basketball game and watch it. But rolling coaches don't get to watch other races much at all. And, and that is something that we get to do down here. I really do enjoy that. And, you know, you throw in the proximity to Mercer and all the racing that happens at Mercer, you know. I mean, it's literally five miles from here, less. Um, but uh, in terms of a Harry Parker story, I, I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's loaded, Sean. That's really loaded. Um, but um, you did mention you were going to ask that, and I, I, I was reminded of a, an episode uh, in February. I think it was my first or second year coaching with Harry, and we were he wanted to go climb Mount Washington in February up in New Hampshire, and um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty significant climb, even in the summertime and in the wintertime, it's a, it's a whole, or, whole nother ordeal. So, uh, you know, he asked if I wanted to come, I was game for it. And, uh, I think we had Chris Richards. I think we had Harry's son, David. Um, you know, we went up there, we, we knew enough to get a guide. Um, there was no way we were going to do it without a guide in February, and, but you know, the weather was crappy. It was, it was really strong winds and. You know, it was pretty clear to me the guide had no interest whatsoever in getting to the top of the mountain. I just wanted to spend a couple hours on the trail, collect the day, and call it a day. Well, you know, Harry, on the other hand, there was no way in hell he wasn't getting to the top of the mountain. Ah. And uh, so we're, you know, we hit the trail, and, and he sort of takes off. Um, and, uh, you know, the guide is like, hey, you know, take it easy, it's a long trip. And, you know, now Harry's still going, and. You know, the guy's like, look, it's, we're going to be out here a number of hours. you got to pace yourself. You know, Harry's still going. And, uh, you know, this went on for quite a while. And then uh, I'll never forget. And then finally the guy is like, the guy just like, look, old man, if you don't slow down. And, oh, it was like he was shot out of a cannon. He just completely dusted us. Took off, off, and that was the end. Of, we didn't see him until we got to the summit. Um, and uh, I just, I always kind of remember that, you know, look, old man, if you don't slow down. Well, if those that know Harry will tell you that that slowing down was just not, not in his, uh, his makeup. Well, 
I that's that's a good story. I've heard a good plenty of them, but I haven't heard that one. Well, Bill, I want to say thank you for doing this. Definitely appreciate you taking the time before the season starts to do this. So, uh, good luck this year, and and thanks again. Absolutely, great great pleasure speaking with you, Sean. Take care, buddy. Take care. Well, that's another Rowing Illust- Wolf podcast done. I almost went back to Rowing Illustrated, but we're sort of segueing uh, because we're expanding our network. Don't forget, subscribe, YouTube, uh, not on YouTube. Oh, my, I'm off right now. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, also on rowing.chat. Uh, also, the event's coming up. Let's see, we have the Sarasota Invite. Then you have the World Indoor Rowing Championships in uh, California. Get to see the men's team kick it out there. That's it. Catch you guys. Got a couple more good podcasts lined up uh, next week. Take care. Bye.